everybody, it's Jeff Antoniuk. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. Well, this week, I wanna talk about being lost in a ballad. So hold up your hands. Have you ever been lost in a ballad? Let me count. Yes, everybody has been lost in a ballad. Now, you know I'm talking to the adult amateurs and the semi-pros out there. That is who these videos are for. Those are the people that I work with at jazzwire.net the summer workshop, Maryland summer jazz, everything else. Those are the people I've spent 20 years talking to. I love talking to these folks. Now, uh, novices, certainly we get lost all the time in what we're doing. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But for intermediates, even semi-pros, even pros, ballads are hard because the pace is so, so slow that it's easy to start going double time, it's easy to start going half time, it's easy to get flooded with the million chords that are going by, and then the chords have extensions, and yeah, it's a mess. It's so easy to get screwed up. And I tell you what, there is a very, very simple fix to this. This is eminently fixable, and we can do it here in 10 minutes. So let's dive into it. I would say the problem is a phrasing issue. And when I say, if that's the problem, that is coming from uh, 20 years of experience and thousands of workshops and, and hearing bands counting off a ballad and it just being, oh my God, what's going on four measures later, this is what fixes it every time. So there's a lot of experience and I guarantee this is going to work. So let's do this. Let's talk as our point of departure about the song Body and Soul. So it's one of the most classic songs. Coleman Hawkins, I think it was 1939, played that very, very famous solo on it. And um, so this is just one of the one of the great uh, songs that instrumentalists and singers, you know, really enjoy playing. And when we look at it, uh, you can see on the screen when we look at the A section, there's a lot going on in this tune. There's a lot of ink on the page. There's chord changes every two beats. It's easy to get really freaked out by this. And now I do know that as a novice or even a pro who's looking at something for the first time, looking at music for the first time, it's easy to want to fill up the space. The instinct is um, sort of like nervously talking, right? The instinct is, well, let me keep playing or let me keep arpeggiating these chords or let me keep trying to find the next correct scale. Um, and that goes exactly opposite of what we want to do. If you think of the lyrics to any of these great ballads, it's two measures at a time. Think of the song Lover Man, think of Body and Soul, think of whatever ballad you want. It's a measure, it's two measures and then a break. It's two measures and a break. It's two measures and a break and that's the end of that A section or that, the end of that bridge. That's how it goes. So that is sort of the secret that we want to get into. The idea of playing two measure phrases, not four measure phrases, not eight measure phrases. That's way too long. Four, or I'm sorry, two measure phrases. Let me do this. I'm going to play the melody of Body and Soul really quickly. You'll see um, the chord changes on item one and listen to the phrasing of the melody.
So what did we see? What did we hear? We heard some motion for essentially a measure and a half, a measure and three quarters maybe, but then space, a break. The melody stops. There's a comma in the lyrics and there's a break there. That is how these songs are written, these little two-measure pieces. Now, a faster song, we've all heard about four and eight measure phrases. Well, yes, at a faster tempo, that sentence or that, you know, half a sentence takes four measures. So at a faster tempo, we think four measure phrases. That is where people get all balled up in a ballad is they try to think four measures. Look at four measures of this tune. There's like 195 chords. I haven't counted, but it's close to 195 chords in four measures, right? Yeah, no wonder you're lost, you're flooded, you're freaking out, right? So how about if you think about two measures? Oh, it's only four chords now. It's only eight beats. So yes, we can probably keep track of that. Now, here's what I'm suggesting. I want you to think about item number two on the PDF. By the way, I would love to send you this PDF. All the PDFs, 121 PDFs in a row, are free. Just send me an email at diggingdeeperjazz uh, at gmail.com and we will send you the PDF for this week. We'll put you on the list and send you every PDF to come. I just want you to have this information. That's the deal. Okay, so now let's look at item number two on the sheet. And what you'll see is I've really sort of written out this two-measure phrase. And by a two-measure phrase, I want to be clear one more time, I'm talking about a measure and a half of material. The important part of a two-measure phrase is the break at the end of two measures. So you can see in item number two, I'm actually leaving out some of the chords. You don't need those chords. You're not going to be playing there. You're taking a breath there. Whatever instrument you play, you're going to take a breath there. Either you're playing a rest or you're playing a long note, which is how I sort of wrote it out here. Let me do this. I'm going to play the melody of body and soul again. I want you to look at item number two and notice how the melody follows this sort of contour. Here we go. Okay, I think you're beginning to see it, right? Um, all that ink, all that motion. So whether we're doing it with our eyes, looking at all that information, oh my God, how am I going to keep track of it? Or if we're listening, it's rolling, the drums keep going, and the piano keeps comping, and it keeps going, it keeps going. It gives us the instinct we need to do that too. Well, no. So when you solo in these little two-measure uh, bits you know where you're at. So, okay, we're going to get deeper than that. And, and it, it, this isn't where we stop. It actually gets pretty cool. So um, let me do this now. I'm going to improvise. And you may be thinking to yourself, like, this can't sound good. Jeff's going to play for six beats and stop and play six beats and stop and six beats and stop. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do because that's what the melody does to this hit song. Worked for the writer of this tune and so many others, right? So it does work. So I'm going to play an example. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to not connect those four phrases. I'm not going to try to play motivically or anything. I'm literally going to say something for six beats. I'm going to say something else, unrelated. And I'm going to say something else. 
And I think you'll be shocked at how good this sounds, at how much this sounds like a real jazz solo, because this is how they do it. This is how the pros do it. Here we go. Okay, so I went out of my way to try to keep those phrases disconnected. I guess I played two A sections, eight phrases. If I wouldn't have told you what was going on, I don't think you would have thought, oh, this guy is, uh, you know, doing some screwy thing or just playing these short phrases or whatever. Um, here's the thing. This is how you learn to not get lost. So I guarantee you're not getting lost. This works video done, right? So we've achieved what's going on. Now, here's the interesting thing. The fringe benefits are kind of crazy. And I was actually talking to somebody via email about this. I'll bring that up in a second. But the, the fringe benefits to this sort of thing, I was leaving space. And that is something that so many coaches and mentors and teachers talk about with students is like, it's a run-on sentence. It's a parade of notes, but where's the shape? So this forces you to leave space. It sounds like phrases. Maybe it sounds like Miles Davis, who was not afraid to leave a ton of space, play a note and make you sit with it. This gets you doing that even as a novice. There's all these amazing fringe benefits. You sound mature. You sound in control. You're not babbling. Oh, guess what happens when you leave a beat or two of space? There's a band playing behind you that wouldn't actually mind commenting on your solo. So yes, there's the other horn player or there's the piano player who might have an opportunity to play a fill. So now it sounds like a band, not someone with huge eyes scared to death up on the stand playing the saxophone or the trombone or whatever it is. So beyond the fact that we're not getting lost in the tune anymore, we are actually on a path to making fantastic music. Now here's, uh, I got a cool email from Jonathan, a, uh, a player in the UK. And, and he was talking to me about, you know, how much he enjoys these videos. Thank you, I really appreciate you tuning in so much. And he was talking about coming on board with us at jazzwire.net. And his question was a good one, which is, well, I love these videos. Like, what, what does Jazzwire do? I'm getting so much from these videos every week. Here's what Jazzwire does. Jonathan, have I ever heard you play? The answer is no. On Jazzwire, all of our participants, 150, 180 people now, post all the time. They record themselves on their iPhone, a little audio recording and put it up, 20 seconds, a minute of themselves playing. And I get to hear you play. Some folks post every day. I hear them seven times in a week. 
There is no teacher on earth that hears you every day of the week. That's not how private lessons work. So now for Jonathan, when he's joining us on Jazzwire, um, I get to hear him play and I get to give him these little bits of feedback. Right now, I'm talking to a camera. I'm sending it out to the internet and whoever's going to hear it, hears it. They'll understand it, whether it's correct or not. I don't know. They'll take it and they'll do their thing with it. What about if you got feedback on it? So that's, that's the response. And that's the fun part about stuff like phrasing. I can tell you about phrasing. I think you understand it now. But to fine tune it, that's where we get to what our pros were doing. And this is very, very doable stuff, right? So that is really the secret to not getting lost in a ballad. Two measures at a time. But two measures is not two measures. You gotta understand that two measures is like a measure and a half. You can literally ignore what's in the second half of the second measure. Play the third measure, ignore what's in the second half of the fourth measure. Give it a try and see if this doesn't work. Okay, so to the naysayers out there, like, wow, that sounds pretty boxy, or you know what, Jeff, I didn't think you sounded that great, actually, when you did those, you know, strong two-measure phrases. To you, I say, yeah, you're right. Um, here's the thing. The goal of this video was to keep people from getting lost. I've achieved the goal. Now, is this the end of playing ballads? Of course not. Now we just have our act together and we're not getting lost. Now, the phrasing of a ballad is two measures. I prove that because the phrasing of the lyrics of all ballads is two measures. So we know that's what the composer meant. Now, here's the thing. As you get more advanced, and that's actually one of the most hippest things that we can do as an advanced player, we can toy with the rhythm, yes, we can toy with the harmony, we can do substitutes, we can do all that. For my money, the hippest thing that people do is toy with the phrasing. Play over phrases. Play phrases that are too short. Play phrases that are too long. That is where things get interesting. And some of your favorite actors do exactly that. They toy with the pacing of a line. And that's what makes Jeff Goldblum sound like Jeff Goldblum and Christopher Walken sound like Christopher Walken and Brad Pitt sound like Brad Pitt. How they pace their lines. Uh-huh. So the cool thing is get used to two-measure phrases the way Brad Pitt got used to how to speak as a baby, right? And then he started experimenting and developing. And so the fun part is when you're in control of two-measure phrases, how you then expand. But when you're not in control of two-measure phrases, it's just out of control. You can't develop anything because you're lost in the third measure of the tune. There it is. I'm going to leave it right there. I really want you to give this a try, and I really want to hear some comments. I really want to know if this is working for you. It has worked literally 100 out of 100 times the last 100 times I did it. So if, there's, if it's not quite working or if there's something you know askew, we need to figure out what it is because this, this technique really works, and uh, it really works with, with the shape of ballots, the form of ballots. Give it a try, and of course, I want to work with you at jazzwire.net so we can go back and forth daily, weekly, as often as you like. I hope I see you there. And by the way, Jazzwire, use the code DIGGINGSPRING. You'll save 50% on the way in. So nothing wrong with that. Save some money. All right, y'all. Take care. Have a great week. Music